I just wanted to start things off here just by uh, just giving a, just a special thanks to every one of you for making the effort of being here tonight. I know this is not a, a regularly scheduled meeting, and so um, those of you who were able to make it and those who got, have kids in tow, we'll be, uh, we'll be watching a VeggieTale for, uh, for any of the kids that want to watch a VeggieTale there. There's um, some of the older kids helping with that, and... Uh, if it sounds chaotic or the fire alarm goes off, we'll send a few parents back too, but to help out. But uh, there'll be something back there. And um, but I do appreciate the the extra effort. You know, I think uh, we're just talking a little bit uh, uh, as pastors here about how since we've kind of began the process of this campaign, um, I don't think it's accidental. Some of the things that are going on, some of the trials, some of the um, I don't know, I'd go through a list of things, car accidents, uh, medical incidences, uh, financial considerations. I don't know if you have any other things to add to the mix there that's going on. There's, there's a lot of things that are going on. I just think, I don't think it's an accident that it's all happening right about now. I think there's some huge things at stake here and things of magnitude beyond, I think, what we even imagine here. And so I encourage you to keep, keep encouraged, keep feeding your faith and uh, keep asking God what he wants you to do and ask him for the grace to do it. And, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and pray here and we're going to turn it over to Pat to kind of facilitate our, our time here tonight. So let's just uh, commit our time to the Lord and let's do that together. Lord Jesus, we do just look to you tonight and we ask that you would meet us here. Lord, unless you meet with us, it would not be worth meeting tonight. And, and so we ask that you would. We ask you to make your presence known Pray that you would, um, you know, speak through through Pat and um, any of us that are going to share here tonight. But we just ask you would use this time to shepherd us into your will. We just acknowledge this is your church, Jesus. You are the head of this church, and and we want your will to be done here uh, in our hearts and in this church body. And so we look to you for that tonight. We just ask you continue to guide us into the plans you have for us. Help us to trust you. As we go, help us to, to be men and women and a church that thrives through it all because we trust you. And so we just commit this time to you. We look to you tonight. We pray for all this grace in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, you guys, welcome Pat up here if you would. Well, I, I, I would join in that thanks and, and appreciate the uh, effort and faith that are is displayed whenever we gather in an unusual way or an unusual time or for an unusual purpose. And this is a, an unusual purpose. And um, a little bit about where we're going tonight, hopefully to, to help us understand and, and start to engage. Number one, um, we want to make sure we're not going to do it first, but it is the highest priority, is that we would give you all a chance to interact on questions to make sure you understand the reasoning and, and some of the big vision. And, and I, I really can't overestimate enough how, how significant, because it's not really just about trying to get another family of faith operating in South Parker. It is moving both bodies to a place, equipping, uh, empowering both of the, the, those expressions here in the Highlands and in the South to a much healthier place financially, that it's much more sustainable, that there would be future opportunities and future health in our finances uh, here locally. So to, to realize this isn't just, what do we need to get rich and the team down there? It's bigger than that. It's, it's really designed to move them 
uh, move both Greg and Rich into a, in a healthier place with their finances, both bodies, uh, both ex- both locations into a healthier place with savings and budgets and understanding what it really takes to operate those things. Um, so that's one thing we want to interact on is why is this significant? Why is it worth in light of some of the challenges? And, and we're going to hand out an FAQ. Um, it's kind of a first draft, maybe a second draft by Greg and we've, a number of us have been processing that together. Um, but that's really, we would love input on that from you. What are questions you think people would have? Do the, do the answers that are presented answer the questions sufficiently? And so that's, that is not a, a time to just rubber stamp something, but to really weigh in with leader eyes, with, with influencer eyes to say, I really think people are going to be, you know, challenged to think about this in this way. So could we explain this better? Or we really didn't cover this question. So it really is going to be a time. It's designed to be interactive and in a, in a, a work session, if you will, around those, and maybe a chance for you to process some of the answers, but to bring your leader eyes to that. Um, the other piece that's really critically important is we have to understand that there are, in any, any body of believers, any family of faith, there are those who um, more fully own the vision, invest in the vision of, of that family of faith. Just the, the natural flow in your, in your natural family, there are, there are parents and then there are kids and then there are kids of different ages and, and the different ages are, are represented by different amounts of buy-in to what the family vision is and obedience and, and character and all those. There's just a natural progress in any family of faith is always going to have those who are more established, who own it, they get it, they're committed to it, and then they're down down the, the maturity or involvement or commitment level, there are those that are in that journey towards that. I don't think we should ever settle and go, oh, you know, here's here's these people that are never going to engage. Well, no, I think we should be drawing them, engaging them, confronting them with the call of Jesus on their life. But not everybody's at the same place. And so whenever we're doing a, making a, a significant move forward in the kingdom, it's always critically important that those who have the most stake, the most skin in the game, uh, the, the biggest dog in the fight would go, am I going to own this? Am I going to be a part of this? Now, I just want to walk us through a, a few scriptures tonight just to, to remind us of the journey. And it is a first and foremost, I, 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 I think numbers, I dream numbers, I'm... Everything comes down to numbers and stats in my head. It's the way I think. And yet, at the same time, I really don't care about the numbers. I can't help think about them and process them, but that's really not what motivates me. It is the journey of faith. It says, are we moving towards a greater yieldedness to the headship of Christ in all of life? Do we own it? Do we own the kingdom? Have, have, we, have we decided to follow him to the ends of the earth and commit to participating in whatever our part, in, in whatever our way, to make sure that every tribe and tongue and people and nation is represented around the throne of Christ. Have they heard it? Are we proactive in that? Are we being strategic in that? Um, and, and that's in all things, marriage, ministry, um, it, everything related to the faith. It's always about, is Jesus being honored and is he Lord in me? Is, he, is there an ever-increasing subjection to Jesus Christ as Lord in every arena of my life. And our money's a big one. And so as we set the pace in that, as well as then cooperating with this, this grand goal to, to try to take a, a, not a big, strong mega church, but a, just a, a small church 
Well, it's actually a little larger than average size, just so you know. It's not, it's not, it's small by this church size, but on average, it's a little above average in size. Um, and with, with, you know, that wide variety of people and go, we want to do something to establish that long-term witness, to establish long-term health, to establish the kingdom in different spheres and, and, and hopefully set a pattern as a church family that this will be our pattern till, the, till Jesus comes back. We will keep finding ways to keep trying to multiply little expressions of faith in whatever form, whatever system, whatever system that we, we might have in, in our frame of mind. We'll go in and out of things, but this big high-level idea, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we want it to start right here. We want it to start right here. The kingdom of Jesus starts right here. Is he, is he king right here? Because if he's not king here, then I really don't have much to export. I, don't, I can't really pray that the, the, the Lord's Prayer with any faith if I'm not willing to let him be king in this little three feet of, of planet me. That, that's, the, that's the first fight that we have. Um, and so I just want to, hopefully you'll be encouraged to think a little more deeply about this. So as those who are just a, a little further into that, I care about this, I'm buying into this, I, I, I want to be a part of this, this is mine, I own it, there's a, there's a few things that are critically important to be, to be wrestling with. The first one is, are, are we willing, as a group, men and women and our kids, husbands, wives, singles, are we willing to engage in that process, to ask that scary question and make that scary promise, Lord, tell me what you want me to do and I promise I will do it. Because if we're not doing it, then is, is, is anybody else in, the, in those lesser places of maturity or buy-in, are they going to stop and engage? Are they going to operate in that world? Are we giving ourselves first to the Lord, declaring him king, declaring an affection for him and his kingdom as our highest priority as the bride of Christ, and then giving ourselves to this, this process that involves giving ourselves to each other and to a vision that says, okay, this because I am committed to Jesus and his kingdom and he's asked me to express it in relationship and community, I want to give myself likewise to, to a local expression and give my heart fully to that. Just a passage out of, of 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verses 1 through 7. as Paul um, calling the, the Corinthians church and he, he uh, there's lots of hard things that Paul had to say to the Corinthian church in a lot of ways. This, this isn't really one of them, though. This is, this is one of those times where um, there's a real commendation. There's, there's a real holding up of, of their attitude towards the gospel. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first, first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. And so there's this picture. And he's, he's first commending the Macedonians for their example, and then he's, then he's asking the Corinthians to walk in that same pattern. And, and expressing a confidence they will do it. Does that make sense? That's, that's kind of the flow of the context here. But please don't miss this. And this, not as we expected, all these challenges, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. There was this spiritual 
commitment, this spiritual yieldedness, this spiritual subjection, this spiritual acknowledgement that Jesus had the right to be king of all, of all creation and um, time and space and matter. And then by the will of God to us. So that, that's a critically important process because if you jump over that and say, I guess I should care about you know, Parker, or I should care about the Highlands, or I should care about salaries, or I should care about oh, this wonderful graphic. Um, if it was animated, it would be amazing. Can you, if you could put that into an animated form, it would just be so cool. Have a little water flowing out, showing it. Whoop, no, it just stops right there. We're done. Don't miss that. Hidden in this journey is, do, is have you declared in your association with with Jesus personally, but also in your expression of community, have you fully given yourself to the Lord? Are there pieces of your heart that are clinging to the American dream or your own self-preservation or your coping mechanism of fear or whatever it is? There's, and, and trust me, there's parts of your hearts that are not yielded to Christ. But in general, overall, we're all on a journey to continually let, let him have complete reign. But are there, are there big things that you go, Lord, I, you can be king as long, except that. You can't go in there. You can't go there. And so there's that overall commitment. For those of you who are married in the room, you, you, you made a, a lifelong commitment to love, cherish, care for, be devoted to another person. And you had no idea what you were getting into. What that would look like or what it would cost or how many challenges there might be in that. How many times you would have to die to your flesh. You had no idea. And yet, you've honored that commitment to stay in that relationship, to stay at that ambition, to, to hold up that affection. And, and that's a, a huge piece of this journey. If this is going to be a, a deeply spiritual thing for the Firehouse Church, it has to start there. And then from that context, then God can enlarge our heart for the people that he's put in our life, the community that he's put in our life. So pay attention to those steps. I'm going to just go back and read a couple more verses before that. Because here's, here's what we must understand and get out of the idea. That somehow, someday, there will be a time and a place where it, it will be easy to fulfill the will of God. There will be an abundance until Jesus comes back. Okay, In the church age. Pre-tribulation. That there's going to be a time when I will have enough, I will have an abundance, and I will just be able to give from my excess, and it will be easy, it will be simple, it will be, I won't have to walk by faith, I won't have to make sacrifices, I won't have to choose between good things in order to invest in this. It will be simple, and that is a lie straight out of our culture and maybe our humanity, but certainly in the American dream. There's this idea that this is going to be easy. And I just want to refresh this again. Who he's commending here, the Macedonians, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, so in this affliction, they had an abundance of joy, and in their extreme poverty, extreme poverty, I love it when Bible writers use those modifiers. It's just like perfect oneness. What, isn't oneness enough? Does it have to be perfect oneness? Do you have to just blow it up? But not, not just poverty, extreme poverty. Significant poverty. Sig- significant. And, and by whatever standard you use, poverty is probably less than adequate for, for the, the mean, you know, what it t- takes to be normal. If you're in poverty, it's probably not a place of prosperity. And yet in that place, they were experiencing joy. And what overflowed out of them was a wealth of generosity on their part. 
And they gave according to their means. They did the right things. They, they gave that proportional part or whatever. That's how I interpret the means. It's just, you know, this, this, is, this is what I can see and I can be generous with. And as I can testify, beyond their means, they stepped into this place where I, I'm, I'm not just cutting away the fat here. I'm not just boiling the fat. There's, there's something that's costing me. And, and I don't know what the Lord has for you. And I'm, I'm not asking you to, to squeeze blood from eternal. I'm asking you to consider this spiritual journey. Because for you to see the hand of God, to experience this kind of joy, you have to walk through this process. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And I'll figure it out. And I'll trust you. And there is no promise here that it'll all be better and you'll get a raise. He generally is pretty good about honoring those who honor him. But there's no promise here. There's no promise. And then this call. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in verse 7, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So the outcome of giving themselves to the Lord, the outcome of giving themselves to, to the, the need that was presented, this opportunity to bring financial resource. And that's what this is all in, in the context of, is financial gifts. I want you to excel in this grace. As you've been given this grace, if you own that grace, if you celebrate that grace, if you rejoice in that grace, if you're experiencing the lavish grace of God, I want you to excel in passing that on. Remember, all that God has given us, he's, he's intended what he's done to us, he wants to do through us. What he's done to us, he wants to do through us. This, we've received grace, he wants to flow. He's accepted us, he wants us to accept others. He comforts us, he wants us to comfort others. There's this flow of, of, of the image, we're image bearers of God that he wants to bring in. And this grace of understanding, all things are God's. And our, our money is attached to our heart is very, very key. The second piece that you'll, in this spiritual journey is to, um, to let your heart tie into the vision. There's a responsibility as those who are bought in to not, to not stay checked out. You know, you know, for some of you sitting in this room, um, I, I think, I, I think I know the economics of this room pretty well. Um, it may be very easy to write a big check, throw it in and go, there's my part. And it may be beneficial to this process. It will not be beneficial to you. And it will not be beneficial to the kingdom. We would miss an opportunity. I can write a big check for something. And not engage my heart. Not, not give myself to that vision. And I just want to share this passage. It's one of my favorite. And, and as those of us who lead or dream. And, and, and think about fulfilling the great commission. This is, this is one of those. And you, and you, you can kind of sit around with a, a, a schoolboy grin. And go wouldn't it be cool if this happened. And, and this is always my prayer as we head into these. And it's when they're, they're building the tabernacle. And Moses called for people to, to, to bring resources. He, he recruited craftsmen, skilled craftsmen to do all the different parts, but they needed the resources. And, and it's in Exodus 36, 2 um, through 7, if you want to look it up again. And Moses called Bezalel and Oliab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill. And so there was this recognition, this guy's good at this, let's, let's call them, let's have them help. Everyone whose heart stirred him up 
stirred him up to come and to do the work. And so they threw out this call. And somehow, and even in that, there was this, there was this envisioning process that someone said, yeah, I want to help. I want to participate. I want to be, I want to be one of those guys that helps form the curtains and, 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 and shape the rods and, 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 um, foundry the gold and all the stuff that goes on in, in, when building the tabernacle, which by the way, was not that impressive of structure. If you ever go to the Bible lands in Orlando and you see a scale model, I, I, uh, I just went, really, that's it? That's, that's what it is? Well, that's not quite as impressive as I thought it would be. Um, but it was still a big job. It was still a, a big effort that they put in. And they received from Moses all the, and so those skilled craftsmen, they received from Moses all the contributions that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning. And so there was this, as the people bought into the vision that this, this is what we're going to do, we're going to do it together, that day after day after day, people just kept coming and bringing offerings. So that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. We have way more fabric, way more gold, way more acacia, way more everything than we need to do this job. So Moses gave a command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. We have enough. We have enough. In a, in a faith family where people really own a vision and are willing to walk in that obedience, obviously there's a few in the midst that are always kind of wrestling with that. But as a general rule, when we have a vision for what is important to God and we buy into it and we see it as our thing, it's not, this is my thing and, and here's my thing that I do for God, but God's thing, we, we forget about our thing and we join in his thing, then, then there's just this generous spirit. There's a buying in that says, I, this is not God's thing and mine over here. It's, his thing is my thing. By, a de- by very definition, my life is hidden in Christ. I don't exist apart from his identity. I don't exist in any functional way apart from God's thing. Whatever I build is just going to pass away as wood, hay, and stubble. So whatever, whatever this my thing is, is all, it's all a delusion anyway. And so we buy into that. Now, in God's thing, he wants you to care for yourself and your family and be responsible. I'm not saying we're all itinerant preachers, but there's a first affection. There's a full association. When God's thing becomes your thing, then it's very easy to go, well, yeah, I want, I want my thing to go forward. And when Southside and Highlands and, and full salaries and a savings pad and, 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 and things to do outreach and, and ministry and to do the 5K, whatever that is, I don't know what that is, but it sounds really fun, become my thing, then man, I want to see them successful. And your part of your job in this journey is to let your heart be stirred up in that which stirs up God's heart. Have we gone through the process? These guys have been laboring, all, all, all three, the, the current pastors and others are laboring. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? How are we gonna, what's our next step? How are we going to see God move his kingdom forward? And they're really, really convinced that this is God's plan. And so our job, my job, as someone who just comes alongside them is, okay, I am, I'm in your plan. How can I support your plan? How can I bring energy to your plan? How can I, how can I empower your plan? 
once someone is convinced in that role of leadership and authority. And so part of a significant part of our job is those who say, this is mine, God's thing is mine, and the firehouse thing is mine, is to develop that enthusiasm for the specific vision. And to wrestle with it, not let it get kicked to the back burner and get pressed out. Of course, if you're trying to do something that's the, the evil one doesn't like, there's going to be resistance. I, I just love the, the, the simple expressions of Paul. As if something were un, unusual were happening. You're getting your head kicked in. As if something unusual were well, Why would you, you... There is a war on. <laughs> of course there's going to be resistance. Can you imagine how shocked you would be on D-Day if you were in one of those lead boats and you you didn't know somebody was going to be shooting at you? Hey, we're going to go take France. You roll up there. Hey, 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 hey. What is all this? There's people dying all around you. We're in a war. Of course. Now, that doesn't mean we don't grieve it. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. It doesn't take comfort and care. To understand they're really, really hard things. And, and we need to understand they're hard things. And, and comfort each other through those hard things. But there's going to be hard things. There is, no, there is a magic place, but not this side of the sod. Okay? There is a place where it's not hard. But not now. And until that day, we keep fighting for the vision of God. And in a small place, in a small way, in a small body of believers... This is your way to just plant a flag and go, we believe God wants us to take this ground and really prosper. The proclamation of the gospel and the faith of those who join us. We, we believe that's our, that's our place. Every place is not your place, but this is my place. And I want to I join in fully and strongly. Part of that is, as, as you influence, as you are a... a significant person in this family of faith part of your job is to be speaking about your journey your journey of faith in in a variety of contexts letting people know what you're wrestling with what kind of things are are, are you going through as you're trying to to answer those that that specific question and fulfill that because that's a scary thing to say I'm, i'm not saying it's not scary absolutely scary takes faith takes courage god i will do what you say and here's what we're wrestling with as a family. And we don't see it quite the same. And, and so we're praying. We're asking the Spirit to really help us be like-minded and really hear clearly what He wants us to do. And, and we really want to know what He wants us to do. And we want to bring faith to it. That's our journey. As you're talking in a variety of contexts, you'll help draw others into that. That's, that's a huge piece of it. The last piece for you is uh, there really is just a call to lead with our actions whenever we've done this, and I, I, I'm fairly certain, um, I did some recalculating, I'm fairly certain the one we're starting in Loveland will be my 10th, that I've personally participated in. And there's about another half a dozen where I've stepped in in this kind of role and helped other churches where I, I didn't have skin in the game, I was just helping walk them through the process and, and help them. So I, I've watched this a lot. Every, it's just an amazing thing. When people engage in this, but it always comes down to it's, it's so critical that leaders lead. We lead with our example. We lead with our sacrifice. We lead with our, 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 our desire. And, and that does mean a financial buy-in. I never think about in terms of, in fact, in my mind, the, the, the $10,000 a month goal is, 
irrelevant. The goal is, will you, will the vast majority, if not every person, ask God, what do you want me to do? And I do it. That, that, would, be a, that would be a miracle goal in my mind. If everybody did that, and that those who understand the need, and that God has given the means, it's not equal contribution, but we would pray for equal sacrifice, equal, equal spiritual engagement. That, that can be a very equitable thing because it doesn't depend on your bank account. It depends on your heart. It depends on your affection. And just this passage out of um, when David was raising money, if you're familiar with this passage, you remember this passage, where David was told by God that he, he wasn't going to be allowed to build the temple. But he, he kind of asked for permission, well, can I at least raise the money? Can I get all the resources pulled together so that my son can build the temple? You guys all remember that? So, and, and, and David's a pretty passionate guy. And he, he, he set out on this journey to raise the money. And uh, in First Chronicles 29, so it's just this picture of how critically important, historically, in the narrative of the Bible, David really understood people will follow people. Especially people who don't yet have a really robust understanding and relationship with God. They imprint on and draw their cues often from the people that they perceive to be ahead of them in the faith. And our role as setting that example is such an important exhortation to Timothy to make your, to, to be an example in your life, conduct, purity, in every way, your faith. Be, be an example. It's critical that people see someone ahead of them and how they respond to the call of faith. How they conduct themselves, how they order their lives. First Chronicles 29, 1 through 9. And, and David, the king, said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. <laughs> and the work is great, for the, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So David basically is dissing Solomon's qualifications to do this. You almost get, get a little bit of a, his, man, why does he get to do this? He's young and experienced. He doesn't even know what he's doing. This is for God. It's, it's, I'm reading into that a little bit, but you almost pick out, gosh, I wish I got to do this. So I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able. So he's leading the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of the bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and the wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for settings, and tinamy, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. Marble. That was him. Okay? As near as I can read it, that's what David did. Now David was a wealthy man, obviously. But he really took seriously his job as leader. Say, I'm setting the pace. And then he goes on to say, Moreover, in addition to that, I have provided for the whole house. I have a treasure of my own gold and silver, and because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. And 3,000 talents of gold, the gold of Ophir, 7,000 talents of refined silver. Anybody do a quick translation of talent? We got, got that one. I, I, all, the, all those weights and measure translations always escape me. I think it was a lot. I'm pretty sure that was a lot. For overlaying the walls of the house, for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver. Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself to, today to the Lord? This, this call again to the, to the leaders when you look at the next verse. Who's going to offer? I, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm doing. Who will join me? Who's going to join me? Who's going to jump in and consecrate themselves to the Lord? And say, this thing of God, 
building his temple where we will worship is significant enough to order how you spend your time, treasure, and talent. Then the leaders of the houses made their freewill offerings, as did all the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the thousands and of hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. And so you see this, it, it, it's, who, did they, who did they encourage? Who, who stepped up? It was, it was those who were responsible. Those who said, this is my job. Part of my job is to be an example. And David obviously set a, a tremendous example, probably the most wealthy at that point. Solomon hadn't yet come into all his riches. But the reality was he, the leaders stepped up. They gave for the service of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel, the, the Gershonite. And then the people rejoiced. This is so critical, this, this little phrase. Then the people rejoiced because they, because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. I am, uh, I've, I've studied fundraising efforts, and there are, there are so many models out there, and they'll all play on you know, our humanity and how we walk through. This is the only... And this is the only model I've ever found that I'm comfortable with because it just says, we ask God what he wants. Will you give your heart to him and to his people and will you obey him? And if we'll do that, God's plan will never lack God's supply. I go, we need this much from you. We need this much from you. And I just, I despise the whole process of most of those. Will we get to the point where we are in such subjection and devotion to the Lord that we joyfully go, I really want you to have this, Lord. And I am so glad. This is an act of worship for me to, to, to return just a little bit of the lavish grace I've been shown to advance what is on your agenda, to declare my allegiance to you personally and to your plan. That's really the journey. And as leaders... It's, it, it's a huge part. Please don't underestimate. Please don't let the next couple of weeks slip by. In, in a, a few days, um, I think on Sunday the 4th, I think the process will be, um, and I don't know if everybody in the room or a portion of the room, I don't, I don't know who will get these, but there will be a leadership pledge card. And on that day, the, the effect, not by name, I don't know if you noticed this, but there was no names given. The, the ultimate leaders, there was names. <laughs> David. And then the rest, it was kind of this grouping of this is what the leaders did. And that's a part of this journey to say this is our buy-in. This, this is our commitment. This is how we're joyfully going to commit to this. And I, I honestly don't know if we've, you guys have even walked through. I don't, Brett, no, you're Brett. I don't know if you guys have really walked through who would be included in that. But there's a good chance if you're in this room, you'll be given a leader's pledge card. And that amount... You know, the little thermometer thing, the different goals, that will be, that will all be included on Sunday the 4th because the rest, the rest of the, the flock won't turn in their commitments till next week. So th- this is a spiritual journey where you have 10 days or so to engage, seek the Lord. Really ask him, can I, wrestling with these things, not just about an amount, but your own heart. 
Am I, am, am, think, think about those passages again. Do, am I excited enough about the vision? Have I given myself first to the Lord and then to my brothers and sisters and those who do not yet know Jesus in our spheres of influence? Have I given my heart to those and am I willing to step up and lead the way with my commitments, with my obedience? And the amount, please hear me, the amount is irrelevant to that process. It can be a little or a lot. It can be a little or a lot. If you're honestly asking that question, I am not impressed with that big amounts. Money is easy to find. Hearts are incredibly hard to find and to manage. Faith is hard. Money's easy. You can talk people out of money easy. But to have someone who's really subject themselves to the Lord, that is a rare and precious thing. And that's the journey I would love for you all to actively engage in and to take very seriously. Um, Questions on any of that? Feedback? Yes. Yeah, because it it is not a, uh, names aren't held up, and quite frankly, I don't care if you announce who the leaders are. Um, I've never seen that be experienced. I do think it adds a, a, a far greater measure of inspiration confidence that says oh we're committed to this realizing that many people are not standing oh look at me i'm giving this because in the amount's not relevant it's just it's declaring we're committed to this yep huge difference huge difference and and the, the other safeguard is it's not just an old testament pattern because, you know, Acts 4, in a variety of places, people were called out for their generosity as an example of their, their heart for the flock. Um, Paul, in the, in the passage we looked at there in Second Corinthians, called out the Macedonians and commended them for their generosity. And so as groups, I think, uh, giving was way more public in, in the New Testament pattern. You, you came up and laid it down. It was, it was not this hidden secret thing. You came up and laid it down. And I really do think it's all about the motivation and the, and the heart um, that we need to guard. Why am I doing this? Why would I want to do this? And if somebody feels like they want, couldn't in good conscience be a part of that, then I would just honor the conscience. But I, I think the heart is good, and it does help people go, okay, so this is, this is we're serious here. My leaders are serious. They're committed. As a group, and so um, trust we can navigate that. Good, appreciate the feedback. Anything else? All right, we got the, the FAQs out there somewhere. Got to pass them out. Get most of the way through them. Most people. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have some more time to be processed, though, especially as there's questions or dialogue. Any questions at all about these two graphs and what they represent? Everybody get that? Correct. This would be additional $10,000 per month of, of non-tithe, free will, whatever you want to call um, fundraising. Over for a period of twenty four months, ten thousand dollars per month for the next twenty four months. So a total of two hundred forty thousand dollars 
in order to fully fund the efforts on the south side and um, make progress in ministry and, and so on here. The, the 10000 um, realistically, the, all the money will be kept in a, a pot for now, so be, there is no distinction. So what the current giving would be able to do other ministry things and, and build up savings and kind of position both locations for um, strength in the future. So the 10000 represents Rich's salary and location costs, marketing costs, et cetera, for the south side. What, what that allows for the Highlands, just for those of you who be staying here, what that allows for the Highlands is some, some, some room in the budget to, to flow into those, those ministry accounts because Rich's salary goes out of that budget. So it, it, there really is a benefit to both locations, strong, strong benefit. Does that make sense on the goal? How about the, what, what all these little boxes down here represent? you get that, what that represents? Yeah, but each one's an individual commitment. So the, w- one of the tools you can use is go, which box do I want? Which, which part of that little graph do I want to fill in? Um, it's one of the reasons I always do it in just an Excel sheet. So as, as they come in, we, you can color it in and it starts to change form. <laughs> um, and that's a fun thing to look at, especially between the last two weeks. You can, you can draw in those two graphs. Where are you on the, the thermometer goal of faithfulness or victory? And then where are you on those, those, those pledges, individual pledges? That's For me, it's, I'm just very visual, so I, I like those kind of things to help me see what the need is. And... Does that all make sense? I'm going to track it and try to put it before people or you and others. Yeah, at some at some point in between now and two years, the elders here may decide. Well, let's just kind of all keep our separate funds. We're going to share some other leadership things, but just for ease of management, you know, if, if Highlands needs or I mean, uh, Parker needs a copy machine, it may be a decision for Parker people to sort out. And the Highlands needs some more coffee equipment, which I'm sure they'll need the next two years. You know, that may be something they just want to figure out. So there, at some point, there may be more distinct piles. It may make sense. They may never do that. But that's, that's a conversation. You just don't be surprised that there are some management things. So that whoever's kind of in that deacon level and in, in Parker and in, in that leadership team here, it may make more sense to manage some piece of the budget at least individually or, or budget those things. But for now, it's one big pot. Does that make sense? I don't I want to belabor it, but I don't, I don't want those of you who are slower to respond or process a little, chew on it a little more. I don't, I don't want to rush over that, so I'm, I'm leaving some pauses here to make sure you can formulate those, because the, the, the biggest mistake can be made tonight is you walk away with a question you didn't get to ask. This, this, is, this is going to be the most open conversation of, of everything that happens. It's going to happen right here tonight. I really want to make sure that those of you who are influencers really understand the goal, understand the process, understand the journey, and, and, and see where to, where to take it. Yes? 
That's, that's certain, the intention certainly wouldn't be to say that's the only time you can give it. I have a one-time gift and I want to give it 14 months from now. No, we don't want it. I don't, that, that's not how that's going to work. But the intent would be, I have a pot now that I'd like to jump in with. And so part of your giving may be one time. All of your giving may be one time. It may be you're planning on selling something in 16 months and you're going to give X amount of dollars of the proceeds. So it really, it's just it's going to be in a lump sum. And then to communicate, set an expectation for budgeting sake, that's just always helpful. Don't, don't feel like you just need to fill in the boxes on the pledge sheet. If there's more information that's coming... And I'm going to cash something in or sell my Lamborghini and, I, and I'm going to have some excess. Then, then I'm going to give this gift. So just try to communicate that so that whoever's planning, budgeting, managing those resources has some expectation of what your plan is. I, I would ask the Lord for what he wants you to do and then commit to doing it and believe somehow... He'll, 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 he'll empower you with either growth or raises or kids with straight teeth or no doctors. I mean, it's just, when we counted our blessings, the first few, we, we walked around our house one night and Cindy was a little distressed about, you know, we were, it's just hard when you're young and raising babies and stuff going around. And I just put my arm around, we just walked around the house and I just started pointing at things. Where do we get that? Someone gave it to us. Where do we get that? Someone gave it to us. Where did we get that? Someone gave it to us. Every single thing in the house was a gift except for these three little pieces of furniture that we got on like 30% clearance at Target. And that, that was the only thing in our entire place that hadn't been a gift. I think we're okay. I think we're okay. And now she's just a champion of trusting um, occasionally. That I told you about her fear reaction, but she quickly goes past that to faith. Um, so I, I just trust the Lord to lead you to the right number, Daryl. I, I, I don't know. There's a piece of faith that says it's something I'm not sure of. There's an element there that's the essence of faith. It's something I'm hoping for. It's something I, I'm not quite, I can't quite see. And yet I believe. And trust the Spirit is big enough and strong enough and clear enough that, that, that He can lead you into that number, whatever it is. Do you have something, maybe? Sure. Right. Well, it be, well, number one, we're not just asking for this. Asking for a commitment to the ministry of these two places, time, treasure, talents, a commitment. It's a much broader than we want to solve, resolve the financial issue is we want to engage in ministry. And, and, I mean, my hope would be, and just talking to these men, is just like, well fully expect Parker to produce disciples. Fully per- expect that the Highlands would produce disciples and bring bring greater health and life and, and more laborers, more workers. So the goal is always advancing the kingdom. I mean, that's that's the obvious. How do we, how do we um, get to a place of being self-sustaining? It's not just asking the same 10 people to keep increasing their giving. Somehow we have to grow the pie. We have to trust God to grow the pie. But that, and it's not, that's not one of those things that we go, oh, God, grow the pie. I'm going to stay home and watch The Voice tonight. Um, it just doesn't work that way. Which is on right now, right? I'm missing it. I'm, and it's just killing me. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, and, and, and this this kingdom work piece is really what we're trying to fund with this, both a different location, but also in each location. That's why really the goal is more than just what it would take from the budget now to you know the three thousand dollars in order to to do the ministry of Parker. We're really asking for more so that this can flow into that kingdom work going forward in strength over the next two years, not kind of having to mind the budget quite so tight. And, and just make ends meet, but have not an abundance for fun things, but for kingdom work. And really, if you look at it right now, you have an X amount of, of money that's coming in. The Thrive goal is about half of that per month, ballpark. So you know, over the next two years, have, have, have for sure 1.5 times what you have right now in order to create this excess. But the hope would be in two years, it'd be 3 to 4x as you, as you make these investments. That's that's the that's the goal. Will it work? We don't know. It's God's work. He produces the fruit, but our responsibility is to sow. He produces the fruit. But right now, the challenge is there are no resources to do much sowing in some of those. Um, I, I think especially in the highlands here. With, with, I think especially. Um. Yeah, there's a way to look at pastoral salary and, 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 and from the outside of it, until you've worked in ministry, and I, I would include almost any, even staff kind of ministry or, or missionary ministry, um, it is the rare exception where they are paid well enough to just live like normal middle class in their environment. Now, there's exceptions in the mission field where they live way better than the indigenous population, but by and large, it's just not true. The guys I meet, some of the old soldiers, their whole lives are pictures of doing without in order to advance kingdom work. I'll make the sacrifice. I won't take the, I won't take the whatever. My great burden, and I've been very well supplied, um, but I, I probably would not. It's God has been very, very gracious. But the blessing has not come from the church. Okay, that, that's, not, that's not where my increase has come. There's other things that God has had flow into our life that allowed us to position us. I would not be blessed. In fact, my income has gone down over the last 10 years in, in pastoral salary. I'm still well supplied. It's just not the heart of our men. I'm not saying that's not true in some circles, some places, big salaries, big executive things. These guys are living sacrificially and I would just urge you to trust that they're not going to live extravagant lives. And if you see something that bothers you, bring it up. Don't let it become a bitter root. Um, they, they really are investing their lives. Um, and so I, I think at some point we have to entrust to our leaders the right to manage. Um, and this is the conversation I've had, not with Brad because he's not on staff, but I had it with these two guys. So how many hours have you spent thinking about dreaming out what you're going to do if you don't get paid a full salary and you can't pay your bills. How many hours of ministry have been wasted? And if it's one minute, it's too many in my opinion. It's just too, it's, why be on staff if you're going to spend 10% of your time worrying about if you're going to have enough money to feed your family and pay your bills? It's just silly. Do not muzzle the ox. I think it's completely within the realm of leadership and I know they would do it with counsel and, and fear and trembling to make sure that they are well supplied, not abundance, not lavish, in order that they're not wasting kingdom time 
trying to resolve issues that do not relate to that bottom little tray of kingdom work. It's just, it's not a good investment. I'm, I'm going I'm to pinch you so you don't get, get greedy. And what, what we do is we pinch the, the ability of, of fl- freedom of faith and to flow into kingdom work. That is a, a dumb business decision. It's a dumb business decision um, for kingdom dollars. And I, I, I don't think we have to be too concerned about lavish lifestyles. Nobody's going to buy a jet. Um, but I think they should have cars that are reasonably operational and houses that are reasonably well-maintained and be able to buy reasonably healthy food and meet the medical needs of their kids. That's I just, I just think it's silly not to. And so I think there is no justification for not having that a part of the conversation and never feeling that is not... What we would be saying is, ooh, that's going to compete with kingdom work, and I would have the exact opposite opinion. I know that empowers kingdom work. I, I, my dream would be that Greg would never do architectural work except for me and nothing else. <laughs> he would give me the freedom to interrupt him once in a while. I, I, I can do that, but beyond that, that would be the dream. Is that You don't have to stop and think about that. And, and, and literally for the last 10 years, other than when I chose to, when we started the bike shop as a kingdom working ministry, not because of financial need, it was a, it was a faith decision to try to do kingdom working ministry. We've, we've just never had to be concerned. Are we going to get paid? It's, it's never been an issue. And I think it's empowered a lot of faith and a lot of generosity. Um, and I, I just never want to see pastors in a place where they're there can be bad managers, and that's a different conversation. And I'm willing to step into those. Um, but by and large, these are faithful, faithful men living very, very sacrificial lives. Um, and uh, I think you should, as joyfully as you do anything, want to see them well supplied to do that kingdom work. So fundamentally, the question is, it's a long answer, but it's a hot button for me. Um, if you see pastoral salaries as a competition to that kingdom work, then it's going to be a problem. If you see it as an empowerment of kingdom work, then you go, yeah, whatever. Absolutely. And I trust these men to, to, see, to make an investment in kingdom work if they're freed up from some of those challenges. Yep, Zach. Yeah, and, and I'm fairly familiar with a lot of those stats. You know, the, the going rate is around 80% fulfillment. And uh, built into this will be, if there's a young believer here that pledges, you know, I'm going to give $1,000 a month and they've never given a dime, it doesn't even go into the total. So there's some wisdom things where we take some of that game out. Look, if you've not been a tither, you're probably not going to give $1,000 a month. That's just a big step of faith. If you do, great, but we're not going to put it in the budget. Um, does that make sense? That's one step. The other one is, typically in our churches, it's well into the low 90s of fulfillment. There's just a different quality of the places that I've helped. It, it's rarely below 92 to 95, and oftentimes even with you know, just a little bit of follow-up at year one, you can, you, can, you can get very close to 100% because you add people. Well, I want to help with that. I want to help with that. So there's some things you can do in terms of follow-up. So it's, it's not a huge fall-off. Um, is it enough? I wouldn't, if, if I got to 1,000 and there were still pledges coming in, I wouldn't stop. Because it's very interesting about fundraising. You can have a budget. You can set a goal. 
and, and just a, a number of different situations, we go, well, this is our goal. $150,000 to do this church plant. Two years seed money. And you only raise one hundred twenty-five, And it's exactly what they needed. And the next time it's, we need to raise $150,000 to do this church plant. And they raised 200000 And it's exactly what they needed. God knows. So to me, this is a very spiritual conversation. God knows what you need to accomplish those goals. And if his people are faithful to do what he asks, he will have just enough, probably not a lavish abundance. I don't know if you're going to experience Exodus 36. It'd be great. But it's pretty rare. <laughs> but you'll have enough. I feel personally pretty comfortable with the number. Just from a business, management, leadership, everything you can do in human terms to say, does this seem reasonable? I'm pretty comfortable with it. Is it enough? I don't know. Is it too much? Maybe. But the Lord will lead in that if we obey him. Please keep in mind, God owns all the resources on the planet and he keeps them in our pockets. He doesn't have a pile somewhere or this big hill covered with cattle. Okay? Hidden somewhere. He keeps his resources in the pockets of his people. That's what he's in control of. That's what he wants to direct. And everything we need to do his will is in our pockets. Or can be. Through his blessing. But it's going to flow through our pockets. It's not going to float in. Typically. A few wild stories notwithstanding. Most of the time. As normative. (laughs) He pulls it out of our pocket and puts it into his kingdom work. So. So do you, do you feel like the, the FAQs are answering most of the questions or, or, or any things? By the way, somebody want to take some good notes here just to, to see. So some of those questions that have come up may lead to some modifications on these. Are you, are you, you tracking some of those? Okay, good. Any other things you feel like didn't get hit at all or the answers are unclear on the FAQ? You have an asset. Yep, yep. Um, Depending on your target, um, and especially in light of current law, where there's a property tax relief for churches, moving towards owning, I think, is always a preferred long-term beneficial thing. In a place like the Highlands, with the rapidly rising, and I, I I don't know if this would be a place I would try to buy a $3 million building that seats 150 people. I, I don't know if that's... I don't know if that makes financial sense in my head. Get pretty cheap rent in light of where you are. Parker, that may be something down the road. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan, personally, this is my personal conviction, I'm a, I'm a big fan of owning over leasing always in every context. Um, and then I find exceptions from that. And I think maybe this location is one of those exceptions. But first words on my mouth is, will he sell this building and for how much? I want to know that. <laughs> um, and if it's too expensive, then it's just not a, a, an option, given the, given the demographics. Um, I don't I don't even I don't even know. Over thirty years, taking lease increases, I think you're better off, significantly better off, um, buying. It, especially at interest rates, et cetera, and what you have to put down. It, it's 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 hard to beat buying, as a general rule. But not every place, not every time, not every location, not every ministry is in a position to do that. But as a general rule, I think it's something we should always be floating around for long-term stability. By the way, some of the current laws and Supreme Court debates, 
tax-exempt status may go away. Our building, we couldn't afford to stay there with taxes. They're 20 grand a year for taxes on the building we own, if it was a commercial space. And that could all go away. So it may not be a blessing at all <laughs> at that point. And that's one of those good things that can flow when vital ministry and kingdom work is going on. Those are good decisions to wrestle with. We need more space. We need, we need a long-term plan. Great questions. Um, from a strategist level, just me, not, I won't speak for these guys at all, but if I was looking at it, I'd go, this is a hard place for families to do ministry. Lots of little kids. Can't live close to it. Um, it you, you can, but you have to buy into it. I think, you know, Irwin's are an example of having lived a European life. They embrace a whole different lifestyle. I don't think you can live the American lifestyle and be and be vitally immersed in this place. And so I always think, we'll follow the through. Who am I? Because I'm probably going to be reaching people like me. And so I see a, 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 a strategic location where your, your life is going to be intersecting with people like you to bring the gospel is a very strategic opportunity. Um, I mean, we live downtown... Loveland in a, an apartment above a commercial space. Well, there aren't many families who could do that. But it works for us right now. It, 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 it's, it's a doable thing, but it's not going to be for everybody. And so moving where you, where you are going to live life and, you're, and you're, your rhythm of life is going to be intersecting with people at your work and your neighborhoods and your community, I think we're always going to be morphing into those places and, and not seeing it as anything as permanent I'm going to be here forever. I, I don't know. I mean, be, maybe in Tokyo two years. I don't know. Um, I'm just here as a soldier. But I think that kind of investment where young families, teen families, that season of life, being immersed in an area where you're surrounded by people is a very strategic way to bring gospel light. It's just me as a strategist. Longer campaign? Um, it's a human wisdom thing. There's a wearing out. Three years is about the maximum people can stay engaged. It's it's just the the way we're wired. I'm not sure why. Um, And so the the reality would be you would do one for two or three years and then you'd do another one for two or three years. Um, But there's also a what's the opportunities right now to, to be reaching, serving, but... One of, your, one of your fundamental truths right now is you have a, a pod of disciples already in that location. It's not like you're saying, okay, we want all you families all to move to this strange place. They're already there. So it's really just coming around something that's already in existence, which is very different. There should be an opportunity for our life and community and mission to flow when there's less time commuting, less, you know, more interaction, more, more um, a cohesive connection because of, of proximity. You know, just commuting, Drew's story of just inviting people to church or to his home from work. And it's just hard at distance, even in an urban environment. Families aren't used to commuting for fun. Singles do, but families don't. Spend 40 minutes to go, hey, we're going to go hang out. It's 45 minutes away. No, we'll take a nap. That's just not, <laughs> it's not a practical thing. So, could be, but I think there is a strategic opportunity with all those families present to come alongside. It, there's not a high cost 
to most of those families to just start doing ministry there rather than trying to bring their friends here. It could, could empower even more faith and more ministry. And that's just a strategist. You guys are, feel free to weigh in on any of this, but I'm, I'm just an outside set of eyes. I think it's really wise. Um, and I'm really excited about the potential. As long as, long as, as long as it keeps dripping into that kingdom bucket, I think God's going to do things. The kingdom work bucket. Yeah, and, and how I would say it is, you would live here and do ministry here for a missional reason, not a pragmatic reason, which I think is what you're saying. We, we have a mission here, and so I, I'm, I'm going to dwell here. I'm going to dwell on the land. That's not going to be common. It's not going to be universal value for a lot of families. <laughs> Good. You out of time? We are. We're over. You want to call on somebody to pray or anything you guys want to do to close up here? It, it, it may be good to just put together a, a, a cooperative in some form, email stream or something, of, of just things to be praying for. Some of the things we talked about tonight, some of the things that the Spirit puts on your heart or mind. Um, and, and please give feedback on those FAQs, some digital form, and by hopefully Sunday, that'll go out. Is that, that the plan? Yeah. And that'll, that'll be handed out. So this really is a, an iteration, really, want some feedback on. So about a, a few um, just leader types would lift up this campaign and, and the pastors and the vision. And, and I'll close here in a minute.